Hello and welcome to the Open Blend podcast. My name is Anna Rasmussen. I'm the founder and CEO of Open Blend. Open Blend is a people-centered performance tool that drives productivity and builds high-performing teams, either remotely or face-to-face. We do this by enabling managers to support all aspects of an individual's development journey, objectives, key drivers, well-being and feedback, and all of which is underpinned and supported with coaching frameworks. Our Open Blend podcast series is designed for anyone interested in how some of the most progressive people-centric leaders in the UK have become icons in their space. We all learn and are inspired by role models and throughout this series we'll expose you to some of the best and enable just that. So today we are talking to David Blackburn, Chief People Officer at the FSCS, the Financial Services Compensation Scheme. Established in 2001, it's set up by the government, funded by the financial services industry and exists to protect customers of financial services firms that have failed. In this episode of the Open Blend podcast, I had the pleasure of talking to David about his fascinating transition into the world of HR, the FSCS's inspiring response to COVID-19, the importance of social purpose, how David and his team have found a new rhythm for people managers in response to the coronavirus, and his refreshing approach to people-centered performance and the need for understanding individual drivers. I really enjoyed the conversation with David, who in my eyes is a true HR icon. So David, let's start by you telling me about yourself and what is important to you. Uh, Good morning, Anna. Um, Yes, uh, I'm David Blackburn. Uh, I've been at the scheme uh, for seven and a half years. I joined in uh, 2001 and I've been uh, working in the HR profession for over 20 years. Uh, I guess what's important to me is making a difference. At the FSCS, our employee value proposition is this is an organization that makes a difference and in which you can make a difference. And uh, since our launch in 2001, we've come to the aid of millions of customers and paid out billions in compensation. Okay, and, and how did you get to where you are today as the CPO of the FSCS? I've had uh, two very distinct uh, careers uh, in my life. Not many people know that, so I, whether I should be revealing that on a podcast. Please do. Uh, I, I used to be uh, a performer uh, before I was in HR. So um, I lived in the United States. I toured in Broadway musicals. Uh, I was a professional singer. Uh, I came back from America and uh, did my first HR job Uh, for McVitie's uh, and uh, I continue to be an expert on uh, all things biscuit related. Uh, I then um, spent uh, the first part of my HR career working in the private sector. I worked for Microsoft, I worked for Timberland. Uh, I then spent 10 years in social housing before I came to the FSS, which is a not-for-profit organization. So it's been a Uh, a very varied career journey to get to be the Chief People Officer of the FOCS. So from the stages of Broadway to um, H, what what, what support, 
what interested you about HR? What was it that pulled you into the people side of business? I think that uh, it's it's slightly cliched to say I am a people person. Um, I what pulled me into it is the the opportunity to create and influence better working environments. I'm deeply interested in um, human beings as individuals, as teams, uh, how organisations work. And, um, you know, I was, I was always fascinated by the role that uh, HR could play in helping to shape and drive business performance. Okay, uh, so t- tell me a bit more about your business and what is unique about the people in your business. The FSES, as you said at the start, was uh, created in 2001. So we're about to go into our third decade as an organisation. And the landscape around us during those times has massively changed. So when the scheme was created, it was created out of eight existing organisations that were pulled together. Uh, We are the world's first compensation scheme for all regulated financial products. So we're not the world's first compensation scheme, but we are unique internationally for the scope of the protection that we provide. Nobody protects as many financial products uh, as the FSCS, which brings with it um, some challenges. So how do you get everyone to understand um, the, the services that you provide when they are so very varied and different? I guess our key message that we try to convey is that the service is free. Um, I think what's unique about our people is that in the delivery of that service, whether that be pensions protection, debt management advice, uh, the return of deposits, we've got a, a, a really big array of skills. So we've got Uh, people with massive technical claims expertise, we've got insurance experts, we've got lawyers, we've got PR people. So um, it's an incredibly diverse population, both in the traditional sense of diversity, so we are the UK's 40th most inclusive employer, something I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah, excellent. Um, But there's a really very diverse range of skills and experiences within the organisation. And how many employees do you have? Uh, 212. That's a very precise number, but that's only because I looked at it this morning. So uh, it's it's 212. Okay. And is there anything sort of unique other than sort of working in very diverse areas? Is is there any sort of anything unique about them as a collective, your, your workforce as a collective? I think that we are all deeply connected to the social purpose of the FSES. We've recently um, completed our annual employee engagement survey, our annual people survey, and uh, in which we achieved the highest engagement scores uh, we've ever uh, recorded since we started measuring it in 2011. And 95% of our people say the FSES makes a valuable contribution to the world in which we live. And 90% of people say, and I also understand my personal contribution to the organization's success. 
So I think there's a very strong sense that the FSES is here to put people back on track when their financial product or financial institution has failed. And our customers are very much at the heart of of what we do because when you understand the real life stories of the work that we do a teacher that's lost their pension a pensioner who's lost their life savings somebody who was due to lose their home then i think it really brings to life that we're not simply processing claims we are helping people get back on track it's such an important part of the employee experience okay um so given the the current situation with COVID-19 what what issues have sprung up around remote management? One of the things that was very fortunate uh, for the FSS and this is something Anna you and I have talked about is that we had already um, embraced flexible working as an organisation and uh, we had invested in the uh, technology um, over 12 months ago so actually uh, when lockdown happened, we were able to mobilise almost instantly. So it is with a degree of pride that I say the FSES has not lost a day's production or productivity during the crisis. We have not furloughed any employees. We have made nobody redundant and we are operating at something like 97% productivity um, right now with the biggest claims volume. We have the most claims in our work in progress that we've ever had right now. So um, in, in one sense, the, um, the organization just did mobilize and has continued to, as a continued working. I think the, the challenge is when you have a very well-established and defined um, culture as an organization, and I've shared some of those um, engagement scores, how do you keep people, I said people are really connected to the social purpose, how do you keep people connected to the organization when everybody is at a distance? Yeah. Um, and I think that, and how do you support people when the blurring of our everyday uh, personal and professional lives has completely changed. Uh, there's a lovely phrase I read the other day, um, and someone said, we're living in, how do we live in the flow of life? And, um, you know, that is exactly what we're doing. We are balancing, you know, um, homeschooling, parenting, you know, um, work-life responsibilities. So I think really trying to understand those challenges for our employees, I think, and how we then best support them is the thing that I think has been, is a new challenge for us as leaders. Yeah. And, and, and have you, um, how, so, and, and how's that kind of man manifests itself um, in relation to sort of individual relationships, maybe between a manager and employee? Is there, is that put any pressure? Um, so I actually, uh, was reading an article yesterday and uh, interestingly threw up something um, around observed performance versus measured performance, um, which I think is a really interesting, you know, so when you're in the office, you can see what's going on and obviously remotely you have to be, what kind of pressure has it put on your managers, your people managers? I think the, uh, the pressure on people managers 
is is that point is 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 very similar to that point that you've just made around how do you observe you know uh what's what's going on a day-to-day basis how do you know what's going on both for individuals and then collectively uh within your team without uh checking you know spending your entire working day uh you know on a team's call a zoom call you know in a go-to meeting that actually you know, I think a general um, feeling for all employees and for everyone living through um, this new normal is, you know, why are we also, I was only having this conversation this morning, why are we also tired at the end of a working day? And actually, there is definitely something around the, the over communication that we're doing. And so I think we started as organizations to, for, to feel our way forward and to find a sort of new rhythm. But I certainly think in the first um, month, six weeks, that the way people were staying connected, the way people were managing performance, the way people were, were checking in was doing a lot of this. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I think it's really important that, there's, that, you know, that there is regular dialogue. But it, it's artificial because in the office, you know, you just want to pass somebody's desk and have a chat with them, or you might just catch up with them at the coffee machine, or you might just see them in the breakout area. We don't, that, that human interaction is something that we're missing, and it's, it's very difficult to replicate that. So I think leaders feel, as people managers, feeling responsible, um, not just for, you know, the normal day-to-day concerns that they would have in the office, but we are so much more acutely aware of the well-being of our colleagues. You yeah, know, much, much more than we would, you know. And so I think that that added, you know, that added sort of pastoral almost responsibility that, you know, we're now asking leaders to, um, to do. Now, I think some people find that quite natural, yeah. Um, but it is it is a new it's a new area, um, even I think for experienced leaders. And then I think um, the ability of leaders themselves, and this is something I've been talking to my executive colleagues about, is that, you know, the more senior you are, you know, when do we get the opportunity to say, oh, my God, I'm exhausted or, oh, my God, I had a really bad day today or, you know, this week hasn't been, you know, what I, you know, what I planned. And I think, you know increasingly the value of you know mutual support networks in organizations um is is massive you all we all need somebody uh, or, or 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 groups of people that we can you know unburden to i said to my team yesterday uh when we were enjoying a sort of virtual workshop you know one of the things that i said to them at the end is i it is impossible for me to do my job without all of you. I could not be doing what I'm doing right now if I wasn't as well supported um, and cared for. Um, and because sometimes that's just, and equally, I think that's a really, that's a changing dynamic. Mm. That it's not, you know, it's not simply the responsibility of people managers or leaders. There is nothing more wonderful than simply when a colleague says to you, you know, in, in a chat function or via Teams, you know, how are you this week? You know, how's it going? You know, that makes me feel better because I go, oh, God, I can unburden myself and say, God, I'm having a, you know, incredibly challenging week this week. But um, so, I think so that's that, new. Yeah. And that, and that 
recognition that you gave to your team um, in how well supported you, would, would that have been um, as important if you were face to face? Is that something, that kind of level of recognition or um, is that more born out of being remote? I mean, um, if I'm being honest, uh, I, it, it's something that I always do. Um, I, we, I, we have a very, um, you know, close knit, uh, supportive, um, team. And, um, so it's, it's not being driven simply by, um, the remoteness. I think what the remote working situation makes you realize, I think throws into contrast is just how incredibly important that is. You know, just, you know, that in the, because again, I think it's the, it's the stuff that you just would do day to day. You know, if I'm sitting at my desk looking a little glum and uh, I know you'll find that quite difficult because, you know, I very rarely look glum. So actually <laughs> when I do look glum, people are really worried. People are like, oh my God, David's not, you know, bouncing around. Um, but you notice that. So those physical cues, those, those physical social cues, um, I read a really interesting article um, uh, last week, uh, which was a bit of the answer to the question about why this is so exhausting and uh, why it's much easier face to face. It's because actually the slight time delay that's happening on all this bandwidth conversation that we're having. So the slight actually what our brains are doing is our brains are working doubly hard to close the gaps in the communication. So when we're face to face in a room, there is no, and it's milliseconds, but the brain is, recognizes it and is going, oh, I'm doing this. And, I'm, and I thought, oh my God, that makes, per the minute you are, that makes perfect sense. Because I could work out why is it more exhausting and tiring doing this all day than it would be if you stood me up in front of a room of people. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought that's my, that's one of my, they go for the podcast. That's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, we, so you mentioned then around sort of the, uh, the individuals that, that, you know, they're more tired, they're needing more support. Well-being is um, much more kind of front of mind and very important. Um, you know, do, do, what, what have you, what ways have you found to address this? So both actually to support managers, um, with guidelines or making them feel more confident in remote managing and the, and the new kind of world that it's thrown up. Um, but also for the people as well, what, what have you put in place? Um, what ways have you addressed that? So, um, I'm really proud of the, um, vast array of things that we've established, um, uh, since lockdown. So, um, I think the first thing that we did right at the outset, was to look afresh at all of our engagement channels and to say you know which one of which which of these things can we continue to do which of these things just won't work you know what things do we need to do that are new and different and i think deciding to do that right at the beginning was really important so how do we um replicate some of the stuff that physically happens in the office environment. So for example, uh, the chief executive um, often works in the breakout area on a regular basis so that people can just go and sit and have a chat with her and interrupt her. So let's create that virtually. So, you know, drop in sessions virtually, you know, every week that somebody can just pop along to 
talk to the CEO. Um, we have uh, regular managers meetings. How can we do that virtually? How can we do our quarterly people briefing using um, Teams Live? We do. Uh, we have a, a employee engagement platform called Hive, which has got a messenger function. How can we use that to uh, generate regular pulse surveys to check in with people? That was new. How can we post questions to the organization? So when do you think we should go back to the office was a, a live chat that I hosted with uh, 93 um, employees. We created a new SharePoint hub um, for all things related and we call it the homepage. So all things relating to um, working in lockdown. Um, we have uh, instituted uh, yoga, meditation, Pilates and cardio combat classes virtually, um, which happen um, every week. The cardio combat classes are run by somebody in my team. Um, we um, recently have been working with um, some of our training partners to provide um, specific content for line managers about managing their teams remotely. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I could, get, you know, and, la and, most, and lastly, we, uh, long, we were about to launch the second year of our program um, with Will It Make the Boat Go Faster, who've been doing a lot of development work with us as an organisation. And, you know, we had to rip up, we had to rip that content up um, and think about how we were going to deliver it in um, two hour, three two hour virtual slots. What was going to be a program that was going to last for the next six months in yeah. you know, classroom based training? And uh, that launched this week. Brilliant. So actually, what, what you've just described there is, is, a, is a, com a very uh, sort of balanced combination of business as usual. So the things that we normally do, but we'll just take all of that and put it on, on online. Um, and then some new things that are kind of layered on to add that additional support in as well. Yes. And if you have, okay, great. Um, and it's interesting that that, that, that response I mean, it's kind of early days, but you've got, as you said, a, uh, the highest engagement score that you've that you've ever had. Um, do you ask any questions in there um, to gain feedback on your response to COVID nineteen and the lockdown? So, so, not in that specific survey, but that's why we've run pulse survey specifically about our response during during the uh, lockdown. So, uh, after week three, we um, issued a pulse survey. Um, you know, five key questions. So, you know, how easy or not are you finding it to disconnect from work? How well supported do you feel by your line manager? How well supported do you feel by FSCS? Have you got everything that you need to allow you to work um, productively? And actually, as we've, re and we've repeated those pulse surveys at three weekly intervals, and um, overall engagement and satisfaction has gone up. Um, during during that period i mean also one of the things that we um when we did the very first pulse survey you know was we said to people if you've got specific issues or challenges that you want to talk to us about then we're you know we are open to having you know those very open and transparent conversations it, the office our office building is open one day a week for the essential um, generation compensation payments are still made by check Anna um, in 2020 uh, quite a few of them and so um, that's the one thing we can't do at home so um, a small team 
um, come in to make sure that our IT isn't overheating and that we can print checks. But we said to employees, actually, if you're struggling working from home, if you are in a shared house, if your laptop is balanced on the end of your dressing table and, you know, coming into the office one day a week would improve the quality of your, your working life, you just need to ask us. You just need to let us know. So actually, um, some of the people who come in on Tuesday simply come in because it makes their week better. And, yeah. um, you know, and so that's what well, I'm really yeah. pleased that we've been able to offer that. Yeah, it's, it's great. And you're and you're really kind of, uh, you know, demonstrating that you understand that it's this is a different experience for everybody. Um, OK, so with um, those Pulse surveys, just out of interest, what's the response rate to the Pulse surveys that you send out? Um, it's about a, a, over 80 percent. And, and why? I, I knew you were going to say it was high. Uh, why do you think people? Why do you think people do? Because I mean that is high. So people people are coming back. Why do you think you have such a high response rate? Um, so I think that we have definitely. It's partly an indicator of our culture as an organisation. It's also very much the journey that we have been on. So I we have been measuring employee engagement since two thousand and eleven. Um, but we changed our methodology two years ago to work with a different um, with a different set of tools. But I think that what I've always said in the time that I've been at the scheme is the only you know the culture of an organisation is everything in the organisation. It's the it's the, the colour of the walls, it's the furniture, it's the carpet, it's the conversations we have, it's the language that we use, it's the way that we, it's everything we do. And the only way you can, so if you're unhappy about something in an organisation, the only way you can change it, the only way you can fix things, the only way you can improve is by focusing on the things that really matter. And so you have to ask questions. You have to ask, I'd never presume to know what it is that our people are, are thinking or feeling. And I want to know what they're thinking or feeling in order to make sure that we are creating the best environment that we can create for them. So it wasn't always uh, like this. You know, yeah. this has been a it's been a journey to get here. But I think also, I think it's really important, and you will have experience of this, how many organizations do the first bit. So they ask, they ask for the data, they ask for all of the information, then they do nothing with it. Well that this and is this is what I was going to say. I think you know, one of the what you've just said in there, and I don't know if you're even aware you said it, but you want to know what people yeah. think whereas I think an awful lot of people just ask as a tick box exercise but you genuinely want to hear what what the answers are so you can do something about it yeah and and you know it would be I, I, I often say that um, you know in the years that we've been gathering you know employee data and feedback you know in the early years um, when I you know my first couple of years in the organization when you know we were embarking on some pretty major business transformation you know the free text comments about me were pretty personal you know i've been called every i've been called every name under the sun um uh, you know but um but whether it's you know the the point is that is that somebody's view at that particular moment in time that was somebody's viewpoint and i yeah. am gen, you know i am genuinely interested in it and i think that because equally what our people see is the action that comes as a result of their feedback 
So yeah. to, get, to give you a really specific example, I mentioned earlier um, our conversation about, you know, an open discussion. When do you think we should come back to the office? Yeah. And uh, within that conversation, we had every range of response from, um, can I come back tomorrow? To, I'm not leaving the house until there's a vaccine and uh, everything in between. Some people saying, why, we, never, I never want, why do we ever need to come back? Can't we all just continue working remotely? Um, and so within that range of responses, being able to have that dialogue and that conversation meant that as an executive, uh, in the same week, our chief executive announced on the Friday, after that conversation on the Wednesday, we won't be considering opening the office before September. Yeah, we took we you know it was we have a conversation with our with our people. We invite their feedback. We had an executive team discussion the next day, and we said, "What do we think this tells us?" And we said, "Actually, there's so much anxiety right now. We'd like to give people a degree of certainty about what we're planning. So let's say September. We're going to keep things as they are until September, which gives us." time to see how the landscape evolves how public transport in london copes all of those all of those sorts of things and you know we're the first people in the regulatory family to make that announcement yeah and that's because of yeah but you ask you listen and you do something about it okay um which is why you get such a good response rate i'm sure so moving back to um the sort of uh, the remote management piece um, and the support and the communication guidelines and the well-being piece. H how how do you think a tool like OpenBlend could su could support um, that th those shifts? I think that um, what we've been talking about today is about understanding. You know, one of my big um, lessons in my uh, HR career is it is about understanding the, <clears throat> the needs, the motivators, the experiences of your people. The more you know about your individual team members, you know, what gets them out of bed in the morning, what excites them, you know, what things are important to them, you know, what floats their boat, all of those things, the more you understand that, the performance conversation that you are going to have with them as a line manager and a leader is going to be so much more impactful. And I think that, you know, open blend is about, you know, the insights that you can get as a line manager about every aspect of your employees experience and the fuller picture that you that you create uh, changes changes the quality of the conversation. Now, I also think that you know we've talked about in the HR profession and as leaders and as organisations that you know coaching is central to um, modern performance management, that line managers should be having, you know, more frequent, uh, better quality conversations. And I think, and I think where organizations um, struggle is they can do the first bit. So what tends to happen, uh, you, you find, is 
people can increase the frequency. They can say, oh my God, I'm meeting with my manager every week or I'm having t- every 10 days, I'm talking to them or thing. It's just true remotely. You know, actually we could be good. It's not so much about, you know, the frequency is important, you yeah. know, but it's that in its in of itself is not going to change either enhance the employee experience or develop um, your skills as a leader. It's the second bit. So actually, the bit that leaders I think some struggle with is how do you have a meaningful coaching conversation? Yeah, you know, and then the word and, and equally, there's something isn't there about. Um, you know, we all know that coaching is really important. We all sort of think we understand it um you know is, is another observation that i would have and then equally you've got some people going oh oh coaching doesn't that mean you've got to be qualified and need a qualification and need x y and z so i wouldn't even know where to start as opposed to i think equipping line managers with some really simple and practical tools and language that allow them to have those conversations and the more of course you do it the easier it becomes, the better that you get. You know, it's a virtuous circle, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think actually, when you come to wellbeing, as you said earlier, it's it's new. It's it's at the forefront of everyone's mind. It's something that has to be discussed. How do you do that? How do you have a quality conversation around wellbeing without it being scary and just actually, um, which I think is yeah, which is key. So what what's important to uh, to you in your work-life blend what needs to be in place in your sort of work-life blend for you to thrive in your role um that's a very good question i love um i love challenge i i love it i love a good challenge i don't um i've never uh worked in an organization where it hasn't had where there hasn't been work to do to transform um, a culture or the performance. And, um, you know, so I, I like that. And actually, as I've progressed in my career, um, I enjoy how challenges evolve. So, um, you know, the FSES today is a very different organization to the organization I joined seven years ago. We are delivering the our best ever performance for customers our customer satisfaction last month was 85 percent. that's we've never had it as high as that we're processing claims quicker and more efficiently um but the the, 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 the that means that the challenge has evolved so mm. where next yeah where, you know where 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 do you go next where do you you know how and you know so um that that is really important for me um a sense of being um valued um, is is equally important. Um, yeah. I I like. It's very important to me um, to know that the um, the work that I do um, is you know is appreciated and understood. I said um, to uh, my executive colleagues on Monday. Um, funnily enough, we were in a uh, we were in a workshop. <laughs> we were in a workshop together, and we were being asked a similar question. Actually, what does it what uh, what's really important uh, for us about um, being recognized and I said you know I might look like a very serene swan most of the most of the time but actually there's a huge amount of paddling going on underneath that to make this sort of thing happen yeah you know to achieve these sorts of engagement well so I think people just seeing that um, and and lastly um, 
and perhaps most importantly um i've got to have fun i i i i'm very passionate about what i do um you know i love what i do and um even though at times it can be you know incredibly stressful and i was on a call um with the CIPD uh, last week. And one of the things that I said to the, you know, the groups of HR leaders was, um, we need to look after ourselves. We need to be yep. very, very, um, in terms of our own well-being, because I think right now, um, we're sort of the go-to people for answers to things that organizations are grappling with, which are new. And we don't necessarily know what the answer is, and we don't know what the future holds. So I think being, um you know uh counselor guide you know guide uh expert um resource planner um you know restructure reorganization redundancy furlough we're not doing any of that at fss but i know that that's what lots of lots of organizations are grappling with so um you know i i think it can be tough being in it and so for me having fun um it's when key. i was saying about it's absolutely key. I laugh, you know, we're, we're soundproofed in my office. This is a true story. We are actually set, we've got soundproofing on one wall because the chief executive's uh, meeting room is next to my desk, it's next to where I sit. And um, uh, my former boss, um, uh, who left the organization last year, once said to me in a one-to-one, -one, as much as I enjoy your laughter, David, and because uh, that's all he could, so we had to put soundproofing in so he couldn't hear me. When I'm in, when I'm in full throat. <laughs> so, so that's um, yeah. That's it. so. Look, just looking at your drivers. So fun, valued in the work that you do, and then constantly being challenged. It's like if you break that down, um, how important is that? If you know, as a for your manager to understand that they're the things that drive you. So whatever situation you're faced with, exactly like the one now. So you're you're dealing with unprecedented times. As long as you're having fun you know you're valued in what you're doing and, and you're continually challenging, then you're going to be jumping out of bed in the morning with all the enthusiasm and motivation that is needed to, to perform really well. And yeah, that's excellent. Okay, so as a last question, if in your role, if you could introduce one thing um, that you think would have a really positive impact in the business that you haven't done already, what would it be? That's a fair, that's a it's a it's a bit of a challenge, which uh, you like, <laughs> which I like, uh, because we've uh, we have implemented so much. I think that um, what we're talking about at the FSCS right now is um, how do we build back better? That's the question that our CEO uh, Caroline Rainbird has posed to all of us. That's the you know the gauntlet that she's thrown down. I think. Um, can I have two? Can I be cheeky and have two? Absolutely. Um, so um, we had already um, embraced flexible working uh, before the lockdown. We've now made that a reality. I want that to be the way we work going forward. So I'm already talking within my own team around ideas that might say, you know, nobody's ever in the office more than three days a week. Yeah. And so actually, really you know so both listening and responding to employees anxieties and their, and their challenges but actually saying no it's not going to it's going to be different it's this is this is going to be different and um and linked to that that's why i think the second one is then reimagining what that means that we do with our office 
yeah. you know, what then, what does the office become about? And um, so, you know, more collaboration space, more concentration space, great, more space for creativity. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that's what, that's what I want to do. I want to take the learning from this experience to make sure that when we do start to come back to central London, offices in central London, that we're doing it in a new and better way. Excellent. Well, that, that sounds like a um, fun challenge that I'm sure you'll be very valued <laughs> for, for, for getting right. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, David. You've been um, a great guest and are truly um, people-centric in your approach. It just it comes out of every pore. It's fantastic to hear. So thank you very much. Um, you can learn more about Open Blend and the approach we take to people-centered performance um, on our website, openblend.com, where you can book a demo and see how our tool could help your organization in creating um, a people-centered culture. So thank you very much for listening. Mm -hmm.